Amen. I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles this morning to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, uh, continuing on where we left off last week as we continue to uh, follow the footsteps of Jesus. And so as we continue to follow the footsteps of Jesus, we're going to begin in uh, verse 18 this morning. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. And you know, when we think about the, uh, the footsteps of Jesus, the ancient footsteps of Jesus, the 2,000 years ago footsteps of Jesus, you know, uh, he is still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so when we think about that, the things in which he did then, he is continuing to do today. Yet, he is not here upon this earth in a physical way, though he could be. He can manifest himself at any time that he so chooses. But yet, what he chooses to do is use the church. Amen. He chooses to use the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, each and every one of them. So who's the church? The church is every single born again believer in Jesus Christ. He chooses to use the church to fulfill his ministry, to fulfill his missions, to fulfill his purpose right here upon the earth. And so we have to ask ourselves a question, well, what is my role? What is my responsibility? What is it that God wants me to be doing as a child of God, as a member of the body of Christ, the institute in which God chose, Jesus himself chose, the Father chose, and the Holy Spirit anoints to do the work in which he has established here and ordained here upon the earth. The church is the only institution, the absolute only institution that God works through. Amen. Now he works through in many different ways and many different forms and, and, and has many different ministries through the church. And so it doesn't mean that everything takes place within this building because this building isn't the church. Amen. Each individual member of the church is the church. And so, you know, as we think about that, regardless of what we're doing, if we're out on the streets, we're doing homeless ministry, we're out there, you know, doing prison ministry, we're out there knocking on doors and evangelizing, or we're out there, you know, in Walmart praying for somebody, regardless of what we're doing and regardless of where we are, we are the church doing the work of the church. Amen. Now, there are things that are done with in the confines of this building. There's ministries and things like that as we begin to think about that take place within uh, this building and on this property and those are biblical things even though we don't find a church building uh, within the Bible you do find a church gathering and you find that they're there, they, there they are, they're gathering together and they're gathering together for many purposes but one of the most clear purposes that we find within the Bible as we look here with in the Word of God, Matthew chapter 4. Actually, I want us to look at verse 23 first. As we look at this text of Scripture, the Bible says right here in verse 23, it says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Now, the very first thing that we find Jesus doing, yes, we, we often focus upon the healings and we also often focus upon you know Jesus casting out those devils and Jesus calling the dead to rise again and all of those things but the thing that we often overlook is the fact that there it is that this text of scripture begins with the words that Jesus was going all through Galilee teaching amen he was teaching 
He was teaching the kingdom of God. He was teaching the word of God. He was teaching the wheel and the way of the Father. You know, the, the, the most lengthy sermon that we have of Jesus is here in the book of Matthew. It starts in chapter 5, and it's the sermon on the mount. And what is he focused upon? He's focused upon the kingdom of God, and he's focused upon, he begins with those beatitudes. And so those attitudes, the type of attitudes that every Christian ought to have as a child of God and as a part of the kingdom of God. And again, if you're saved, if you're born again, then you are a part of the kingdom of God. But that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was teaching the word of God. People were coming from near and far to hear the words of Jesus. In fact, it was when he would heal people that those healings would be used as a catalyst to draw in even more crowds. Amen. And so what would he do when he would get the crowds? He would teach them. He would spend that time unfolding the word of God, teaching them the truth. Of course, every word he spoke was the word of God. Amen. Everything he said was the word of God for he himself is the word according to the very word of God. So that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Now, Jesus knew better than anybody that he only had three years upon this earth for his ministry. He was only going to spend the next three years going along the shores of Galilee and sometimes making it to Jerusalem. And they're teaching the word of God and unfolding the word of of God, but he knew that this was just the very beginning. It was just the tip of the iceberg that was, was going to continue after him. And what was to continue after him is the apostles was then going to take the horse by the reins, and they were going to then take off with it and continue teaching the word of God. And then after them, there was going to be others that would continue to teach the word of God. So if we go backwards here a little bit in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. The Bible says right here, Matthew 4, beginning in verse 18, it says, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, we realize, we, we recognize through uh, the book of John, through other scripture, that Jesus already had a relationship with them, right? Uh, first of all, there we find that two of them were introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They stopped following John the Baptist. They started following Jesus. They went and got other people to start following Jesus. So Jesus already had a relationship with them. They'd already professed Jesus as the Messiah. They already knew who Jesus was. And so we can kind of look at that today as a salvation experience, right? They'd already placed their faith in Jesus. They already knew. They already understood. They was with him at the wedding in Cana. They went with him through uh, Samaria. They saw what Jesus did uh, there in Samaria. They, they uh, understood that conversation that Jesus had with the woman uh, at the well. And now they were back in Galilee. And now that they went back to Galilee and they were back in Galilee, the journey's over, right? So they're, they're done with their journey. They come back to Galilee where they were from, right? That, that was their hometown. That We find you know, that, that Peter had a house right there in Capernaum. And so the Bible tells us that very, very clearly. And so when we begin to think about that, they're their back home. What do they do? They go back to work. 
<laughs> right? Journey's over, vacation's over, travel time's over, so what do I do? I go back to work. And that's exactly what they did. They went back to work. They were back out there on the fishing boats doing what their occupation was, is to be fishermen. It was their business. It was their family business. And so Jesus comes to them, as, and Jesus sees them uh, as we see this. In verse 19, it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fisher of fishers of men. And so now Jesus did something within their lives. He placed a call up on their lives. He came up to them. He saw them. They'd already had a relationship with him, right? They'd already placed their faith in him. They'd already been following him in that sense. But now it's time they came back home. And so they go back to doing their occupation of what they, what they normally do, right? Going out there fishing. And now Jesus comes up to them, approaches them at their job, comes to their workplace, right? And so approaches them at their job, and, and as he approaches them, he said, I want you to follow me. You're now go, no longer going to be fishing for fish anymore, but you're going to be fishing for men. What did Jesus do? Jesus put a call upon their life. Jesus put a very specific call upon their lives, saying, this is what you've been doing. I don't want you to do that anymore. This is what I want you to do. Amen? And so when we think about that and we begin to understand, here it is, as Jesus called, uh, called these disciples, I want you to understand Jesus is still calling people today. Amen? He's still calling people today. Now, could they have said no? Yes, they could have said no. In fact, we find many people throughout the scriptures that say no to Jesus. We find the rich young ruler that said no to Jesus. Jesus said, go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and come follow me. He said, no, thank you. <laughs> right? He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I love my possessions more than I love you. I believe, I really do. I believe he did that at one point in his life. I believe that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, that the scripture records him. I can't say that for a fact. Bible doesn't record that. I believe he came to that point, you know, as we begin to think about that, begin to understand that. But at this time in his life, he said no to Jesus. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow you. But as we look here in the Word of God, continue in verse 21, it says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee. He's in the boat, right? He's inside the boat. He's inside of his place of occupation. And Jesus comes to him, and, and he says, uh, he, he's in the boat with Zebedee, their father, who's their father? Their boss, <laughs> right? And so he's right there in front of their father, their boss, the one who is eventually going to pass down the family business to his two sons, and they're going to take it, and they're going to run with it, and they'll probably pass it on to their sons. But Jesus is now telling them, I have a different job for you. I have a different task for you. But again, it says he comes to John and his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, so they're, they're working. Right? They're working, right? Just at work, but they are working. And he called them. He called them. Jesus put a call upon their life. And the Bible says in verse 22 immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Zebedee might not have been real happy about it, might not have been real excited about it. 
You know? But they willingly, they knew Jesus and they understood who Jesus was. They knew that He was the King of kings, the Lord of lords. They knew that He was the long-awaited Messiah. They knew that He was the prophesied Son of God, that He was God that became flesh. Now, maybe they didn't know everything about Jesus at this point. It was still very early on, but they knew He had the power to turn water into wine. They knew that He had the power to do miracles. They saw Him do many miracles already they knew that he spoke with authority and they themselves put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ and so now it is to say they said okay Lord we're willing to drop everything that we know we're willing to drop our future we're willing to drop our inheritance we're willing to walk away from our job and even walk away from their own father their own family members and kind of leave him they just left him in the boat mending the fitting and that's all by himself right they left him all alone of course uh, the book of John tells us that they had that he had servants which tells us you know they were pulpers they left a lucrative business behind right they just weren't just some old poor fishermen that weren't wasn't really leaving a whole lot no they left a whole lot amen and so when we begin to think about that they left it because they were willing to follow Jesus Christ Jesus placed a call upon their life the word of God said he called them and so when we begin to think about that word call, you know, we, we, it's kind of a loose word that we use today, right? It's a loose word that doesn't really mean a whole lot. It doesn't really have a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of value because I have, I, people, I have people come up to me all the time. Brother, I said, God called me to do this. All right, well, then get after it. Two weeks later, they're not doing it anymore. Well, what happened? Well, no, that changed. That didn't work out. So God's called me to do this. Now, if God's called you to do something, He's called you to do something, and you need to get after it, and that needs to be your whole heart. That needs to be your whole focus. That needs to be your full intention and attention right there. Amen? It's not going to change every other week and every time the wind shifts directions. Amen. If God's called you to do something, that doesn't mean that it, it can't change. You know, you've seen youth pastors that are no longer youth pastors, but they're now a, a senior pastor or something. But something I want you to understand as we begin to think about that, God did, there, you don't find youth pastors in the Bible. Amen. You find pastors. So was our youth pastors a pastor? Right? And so when we begin to think about that and begin to recognize that and understand that that is a calling, a general calling that God's placed upon our life. Maybe, you know, I've got a good friend of mine right now. Matter of fact, he used to be a, a youth pastor. He used to be a youth and then an associate pastor of mine. And then God called him uh, to pastor a church and he's pastored a couple of churches. And now he's leaving that church of which he's pastored for several years. He's going over to Germany to be a missionary. Amen. And so in the same sense, he's still kind of doing the same thing, though. He's still working in that sense of, of, of pastoring. He's just going to be doing it to a different group of people in a different atmosphere, in a different environment. So when we begin to recognize it, when God puts a call upon your life, the Bible says that God's call is irrevocable. Amen? It's irrevocable. It's without repentance is what another translation says. So when God places a call upon somebody's life, friends, that is a firm call. The, the, the who, what, when, where, and why, all of that stuff might change, but the call's there. 
And so when we look in the Word of God and begin to see here it is that God placed a, that Jesus placed a call upon these individuals' life, I want you to understand He's still calling people today. He's still calling people today. And so when we think about the fact that Jesus is still calling people today, I, I love Jeff Org's uh, uh, and, uh definition of of a call uh jeff arg is the uh president of gate uh gateway uh southern baptist seminary and he says this i love this he says a call is a profound impression from god that establishes perimeters for life and can be altered only by subsequent uh, surrendering impression uh from god and so first of all he said that a call is a profound impression a profound impression now here literally in a literal sense and a physical sense rather it's still it's always literal but in a physical sense here it is that Jesus physically went up got up in the boat with, with the sons of Zebedee right in front of Zebedee right in front of him he said and he called them and he said you come follow me right he told uh, Peter and, 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 and Andrew he said I'm going to make you fishers of men you're no longer going to be fishing for fish you're going to be fishers of men he called them so he did that in a physical way but in a spiritual way i believe i have no doubt that jesus is still doing that and he's doing it by a profound impression amen putting a profound impression upon the lives of individuals and so what do you mean by a profound impression I rem i'm reminded of when peter preached on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 when peter preached the uh, preacher peter preached is like a, a you know uh you know, how, how many pickles did a, a Peter Piper pick? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm getting a little tongue twisted there. But All right, killed that rabbit. I'm going on now. But in Acts chapter 2, what we find right there is Peter preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Peter preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was the word of God says that they were pierced to the heart. Amen? They were pierced to the heart. What happened to them? A profound impression by the Holy Spirit pierced them, and they said, Brethren, what shall we do? You know, when I started preaching the Word of God, it was just something I didn't really think about. I just started doing it. You know, really what happened after I got saved, I started going around telling a whole bunch of people about Jesus. And after I started telling a whole bunch of people about Jesus, some pastors started hearing about me. And so they said, hey, we want you to come share your testimony. We want you to come preach the Word of God. And so I'd go to the churches and I'd preach the Word of God. And I'd preach, I did that for about two years. I was in a different church just about every Sunday preaching the Word of God. Had no intention, had no, no, no thought, no, not even really a desire to be a pastor. I was just preaching the Word of God. Walked into this church up in Lawrence County, Mississippi. Walked into this church literally at the end of a dead-end road. And, and there I walked in, didn't know anything about this church, didn't know anything about the people within this church. But as soon as I walked in, God pierced my heart and said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. Amen? I knew it. I knew it beyond a shadow of that. When God called me to be the pastor here, he pierced my heart. He said, you're going to be the pastor of this church. 
Amen? And so it was a profound impression. Now, I, I kind of had to give God a little bit of time. And like, are you sure, God? Are you, you know, you, you, you sure you got this right? Am I really the one? And, you know, the, the impression was there, but I kind of pushed back, kind of fought it a little bit, but it didn't go away. In fact, it intensified. <laughs> Amen? Finally, to the point where I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender to this and I'm going to do exactly what you're calling me to do. I'm going to be exactly where you're calling me to be. It was that profound impression that God had placed upon my life. And so when you think about the call of God, you know, there's different types of callings. There's a universal calling. Jesus told every Christian, every single Christian to every day to die to yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow me. That is a universal calling to every single Christian. Every single Christian is called to do that, to, to, to die to yourself and to live for Jesus daily, Jesus said. Every single day, we need to be doing that. And we are called to do that. Jesus put that call upon our life to die to ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus Christ daily. That's something that every Christian needs to be doing and you're called to do that very thing. But then there's also kind of a general calling in a sense, right? A general calling. Maybe you have a heart towards children. Maybe you have a heart towards youth. Maybe you have a heart towards senior adults. Maybe you have a heart uh, towards addicts. Maybe you have a heart towards, uh, you know, whatever. It, it, it could be a million and one uh, different things, but God's put that on your heart. But maybe you say, you know, maybe I don't particularly feel led to be a teacher. Maybe I don't particularly uh, feel, feel led to be a leader, but I'm just going to, I've got a heart towards him and I'm going to walk alongside that ministry. And I'm going to, you know, if you got a heart towards youth, I'm going to walk alongside our youth minister and I'm going to be the best help to him I could possibly be to help out this youth group, right? Or, or you've got a heart towards Awana and, you know, you're going to get alongside brother Keith and say, Hey, I'm going to walk alongside him. And maybe I don't specifically feel called to preach but you know I've got a heart towards this or I've got a heart specifically towards women's ministry or a heart specifically towards uh, men's ministry whatever that might be but you might not be the leader of it but that's something that you have a heart towards you're, you're, you're inclined and drawn into that thing in a general sense right but this there's a specific calling such as you're going to be a fisher of men. Amen? That very specific calling that God has put upon your life that you're going to be a fisher of men. Now, I didn't have the specific calling that I was aware of at first. For the first two years that I spent preaching, all I knew that I was preaching the Word of God. I enjoyed preaching the Word of God. I wanted to preach the Word of God. I enjoyed being in those churches preaching the Word of God. I couldn't wait for my next opportunity to go into another church to preach the Word of God. And in all of that time, even though I didn't know it, God was shaping me and molding me and, and, and making me out to be uh, the the pastor that he wanted me to be to where when I finally came into that first church it took two years to do that and a lot of shaping and a lot of molding to get to that point and finally when it got to that point God put that very specific call upon me so and in general I wanted to preach but then all the while God had that very specific calling and said that's what you're going to do 
Amen? That's what you're going to do. Friends, God called you. God put a call on your life. Now, so oftentimes we only think about pastoring or music minister or youth minister or something like that when it comes to, 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 to uh, uh, the calling. But friends, God's calling comes in many different shapes, many different sizes, and many different ways. Some people may never see what it is that God's called you. God's called you to be a prayer warrior. Amen? There it is that you're in that prayer closet every day on your face and on your knees and nobody else sees it. But you know you're doing exactly what it is that God's called you to do. God's put that very specific call upon your life just like God put that very specific call. Jesus put that very specific call upon them. You're going to be fishers of men. Amen? Very specific, very straightforward, very to the point. This is what you're going to do. You're going to be fishers of men. Maybe God's telling you you're going to be a Sunday school teacher. Amen? Maybe God's telling you, you know, Awana's going to start back in August. You're going to be an Awana teacher. God's put that very specific call, that very specific direction within your life, and it is a profound impression within your heart. Amen? So we begin to think about this. We begin to understand this. Jesus had a forward vision in all of this. I started off by saying that in verse 23, point out the fact that Jesus was going through all of Galilee teaching in their synagogue. Again, Jesus knew that his ministry was only going to last three years. They didn't know that, but Jesus knew that, that his ministry was only going to last for three years. And so after the ministry, what next? Jesus spent this three years. They didn't know it. They didn't understand it. They didn't comprehend it all. All they knew is they were following Jesus and they enjoyed following Jesus but all the while Jesus was shaping them and molding them and putting them into the place to where when Jesus ascended from this earth and Jesus said now I'm giving you this great commission go into all of the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I have commanded Amen? Teaching them. You see, when we begin to look at the function of a church back to the local body of a church, we have many tentacles that go out in many different ways. And, you know, we've got our food pantry. We've got many things that go out in many, many different ways. When we begin to think about that, it needs to start with the teaching of the church. We, we, we talk about it all the time. We need workers. We need more workers in Awana. We need more workers in children. We need more workers in youth. We need more workers for, you know, a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. But I'm going to tell you where it's going to start. It's going to start in that shaping and molding time. And that shaping and molding time is going to come play, going to take place in the teaching time of the church. And it may take Years, it may take, you know, a, a, a short amount of time, it may take years, but God's going to use that teaching time. And so how very important is it for us to have that teaching time? And friends, that's why Sunday, that's one of the reasons why Sunday school 
is so extraordinarily important. It's very important. As we begin to look at that, here it is that Jesus had this forward vision that they were then going to go out after his ascension. They were going to go out and they were going to be eyewitnesses of his life and of his death and of his burial and of his resurrection. But also at the same time, as, as we see in the word of God, they were going to raise up other people. Paul had his, his Silas's, Paul had his Luke's, Paul had his Timothy's that he would gather up under his wing and he would spend that time with them, that quality time of teaching them and training them and then sending them off. Even Paul started with Barnabas as Barnabas went and sought Paul out and said, hey, we need help over here in Antioch. Won't you come help us? And so Barnabas spent that time with Paul and shaping him and molding him and directing him, even starting there in Jerusalem and then eventually went out on his own to the very specific ministry as God put a very profound impression upon his heart in Acts chapter 13 as the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them to do. Saul being Paul. So when we think about that, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11, and two, uh, 11 through 12, I'm sorry, it says right here, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, And he gave some. Who's he? That's God. And he gave some. So that's God's design. This is God's design. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So we've got that fivefold ministry of the church. Their teachers is one of those, pastors is one of those, evangelists, prophets, uh, apostles. As we look at this, what is their purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. We take these new believers in, you take them and shape them and mold them and, and, and get them to the point to where they then are being the servants, they then are being the workers within the body of Christ. So that is God's design. He gave some for this very specific purpose. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, the things of which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust them to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So what is Paul telling Timothy? Timothy, by the way, is the pastor. Paul's telling Timothy, everything I taught you, which was the word of God, everything I taught you, you teach other people who are then going to teach other people. <laughs> right? It's the, that, that continuing, that ongoing effect. I taught you, you teach them, they're going to teach somebody else. That continuing, ongoing effect. You know, as we look at the, word of the, the world today, there's a great shortage of pastors. There's a great shortage of youth pastors and music ministers. There's a great shortage. You know, the majority of our pastors are older guys now. You know why? Because a lot of the younger guys aren't, aren't, aren't surrendering to the call. I believe Jesus is still calling just as much 
A lot of times we focus on the lack of attendance of our churches, and it's true we have a lack of attendance within our churches. And I believe in general it's just a lack of saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. Right? Because, again, everybody is called to take up your cross, deny, your, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus every single day. And church attendance is at the least of that. But we also see the lack of those who are willing to step up to the plate and go the extra mile and be the servants within the church, the teachers within the church. And so as we look at that, statistics are astounding when you begin to see this. You see, a lot of churches are just dropping Sunday school altogether. Why? Because, one, they can't get folks to come. Two, they're, they're not able to find leaders to be able to lead that out. But friends, Sunday school is so extraordinarily important. Sunday school is important for the teaching time. You get shaped, you get molded, you get equipped. Amen? It's an extraordinarily important time in the the worship part of the church, and that is a worship part of the church. But it's also important not just for teaching. I did a funeral about a month ago. A lady that's about mine and Dale's age. This is her funeral. She's been battling cancer for a long time, and it eventually took her. So when I became the pastor of that first church, we started a young adult Sunday school class because we qualified for it at that time. Amen? And so we started a young adult Sunday school class, and so we got this young adult Sunday school class, her and her husband and others as well. Uh, her and her husband came in. They became a part of that class, and, man, we became close. We'd go out, we didn't just have Sunday school, but we'd go bowling, we, we did all kinds of stuff, right? And we had a great time together, and we as a class became a family within ourselves, this small class, and we all became very, very close, and now 25 years later, even though they've been living in Tennessee for like 20 years, and we very seldom ever see them, and they were plugged into a church, involved in a church, and her brother is a pastor, great pastor, phenomenal pastor. They asked me, somebody that had a, a had built a relationship with them 25 years ago, to do her funeral, and I was honored to do so. And friends, relationships are built. Strength is built within those relationships. And the Bible tells us not only to teach, the Bible also tells us that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. That's one of the important reasons of Sunday school, why it's so important is we have those small groups. It's hard to have those getting close to one another time in a, in a mass assembly, amen? And sometimes it's even hard to, you know, I, I leave here sometimes and think to myself, you know, did I say hi to so-and-so? Was I able to speak to such, such and such? Or, you know, I hate I didn't get across a chance to get across the uh, sanctuary to speak to this person. Hard, sometimes it's just hard to just say hello to everybody. Sometimes it's impossible to say hello to everybody, much less spend that quality time of building a relationship that's going to unite. So friends, it's extraordinarily important that we have that time. I'm just going to go ahead and burst your bubble right now before we even cross that path. So I'm saying, man, y'all have Sunday school at 9 o'clock. That's early. Not only is it early, but man, I'm going to be there at 9 o'clock. I'm not going to get out there till 11 brother rusty's preaching so 11 or so 
Amen? That makes for a long day. Let me burst your bubble. How many times do you see folks say, man, I got out to that deer stand before the break of daylight so I could beat those deer? Excited about that. Well, I stayed all day long at that fishing hole because they were just biting one after the other. I didn't care I was sitting on a hard aluminum boat. They were biting, so I was catching and I stayed there all day long. Amen? You do what you want to do, don't you? You go where your heart leads you, don't you? And our heart needs to lead us to Jesus that we can grow in our walk and in our life with Jesus Christ and be the men and the women that God wants us to be. So Jesus had that forward thinking and in that forward thinking, here he said, I'm going to be teaching for these three years, but after these three years, these men are going to step up to the plate and they're going to train other young men that are going to step up to the plate and those other young men are going to train other young men and women, by the way, because we find many women teaching there as well. So uh, these other individuals, let me say with them, uh, the body of Christ that are going to raise up to be these leaders within the church and they're going to take the bull by the horn and they're going to be there long after we're gone and continue to do that work and continue to fulfill that service. Friend, my vision for Mill Creek Baptist Church is this, is that we enhance our Sunday school program. We're going to leave this Sunday school class over here exactly like it is. We're not going to, we're not going to change it up in any way shape and form so don't want to strike fear into anybody's hearts a great class god has been using it in, in a phenomenal way for years but i want to see us have a young adult sunday school class amen We've got a lot of young adults. Let's grab a hold of them. Let's draw them into a Sunday school class to where they can feel included, to where they can build relationships that aren't just going to last for a little while, but they're going to endure. I want to see us have a ladies Sunday school class. Amen? Because those ladies, boy, they get together, they can build those relationships, and they can strengthen one another and encourage one another. Miss Linda's doing a phenomenal job over here with the, with the ministry, and I came by here Thursday evening. I let the wake came through here. Man, that parking lot was full. What an awesome thing that that is. But I'd love to see a men's Sunday school class as well. And I, and I want to see a, a couple's Sunday school class, and I'd love to see a new believer's Sunday school class. New believer's Sunday school class would be something that would be a temporary class. They come in for a matter of weeks. They, they get taught the fundamentals of the, of the things a new believer needs to do, and then they get plugged into another Sunday school class. Amen? So that's the vision that I want to see us strive for. That's the vision that I want to see us reach for. And so as we begin to think about that vision, we begin to forward think, friends. The Bible tells us without a vision, the people perish. It's also goals. You know, if you don't have goals, you're going to hit your target every time. Amen? You will hit, if you never have a goal, you're going to hit that target every single time and you're going to remain doing nothing. So these are goals. I want us to get these classes going by September. Will we necessarily get all of these classes going by September? Maybe not. Maybe not. I'd love to see us do it. And God can. Amen? 
But the goal, the goal, I want to see a stripe. Or we could, I know we can get some of them going. It's a goal. We'll see us hit that target. So as we think about those goals, a young adult, couples class, a ladies class, a men's class, new believers class. That's the goal. With a vision in mind of shaping and molding and building those relationships where we have future leaders raise up to the occasion and come out and lead the charge. And so as we think about that, here it is, maybe you're wondering what in the world this stuff is up here. Is it ever going to get to that? <laughs> September, I want us to start. As a matter of fact, September the 3rd, Sunday before Labor Day, what I want to see us do is, I want to see us have everything together by that point. Have it all together. A couple weeks before that, we're going to start Awana. Awana will be going. It'll be out that Sunday. But what I want us to do September the 3rd is not have Sunday school class that morning, but we're going to, during our Sunday school hour, we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a prayer time. We're praying for our Sunday school. We're going to be praying for our existing teachers. We're going to be praying for our new teachers. We're going to be praying for future teachers. We're going to be praying for our, our, our students. We're going to be praying for, that God will draw in others. Amen. We're going to have a prayer time. September the 10th, the very next Sunday, what I want us to do is still not again have a Sunday school lesson that morning, but what I want us to do that time is I want us to have breakfast during our Sunday school hour. Amen. You know that old adage, feed them, they'll come. I want us to have breakfast that, that, uh, that, that Sunday morning, but I also want it to be a kind of a meet and greet. These are our new Sunday school teachers. Let them, after you eat, take you to their classroom. This is where the classroom's going to be. This is the literature. Going to give it out kind of an introductory kind of time, very short, very to the point. But we're going to eat. We're going to have a fellowship time. September the 17th, I want us to have a back-to-church Sunday, and I want us to hit the ground running full throttle, full force, wide open, get as many folks here as we could possibly get here. For Sunday school and worship. Amen? What we're going to have to do between now and then is get the word out. And so what we have right here, we've got 2,000 of these little DVDs. It's the Jesus movie. They show these all over the world. Missionaries bring them in the villages and in the towns and cities all over the world. It's in many, many different translations. Of course, it was originally made in English. Just the Gospel of Luke acted out all the way through. And so we're going to give these out. We've got 2,000 of these at the same time. We've got this book of life. What is this book of life? It's the book of Mark with gospel tracts all the way through it telling people about Jesus. We're going to put some information about Awana in there. We're going to put some information about Sunday school in there, we're going to put some information about the church in general in there. 
We've got 2,000 of these. By the end of July, I want us to have these bagged up, ready to go. Amen? Starting in August, I want us to get out there and put 2,000 of these, hang them on the doorknobs of homes. Very easy to do. You don't even have to knock on the door. Just go put it on the doorknob. Amen? Put them on the doorknob. And all the information will be right there of an invite with a gift. More than just a DVD, it's more than just a book. It's the gift of life. Amen? 2,000 of them. We had 2,500. Our youth already put out 500. So all of us together, including the youth again, can easily put out 2,000 in the month of July. Amen? Or the month of August, rather. And come September, we're going to hit the ground wide open. Now, you don't have to wait till September the 17th to come to Sunday school. We've already got Sunday school. And we've got Sunday school for everybody right now. Don't have a ladies' class. Don't have a men's class. Don't have a young couple's class. But we've got class for each one of you. Children meet right over here. Nursery as well. Youth, young adults, they meet in the gym. And then all the rest of the adults meet over, right over here. We'd love for you to come right now. Be a part of that. Friends, here's where the rubber hits the road. God putting a call on your life. Now, I don't want just anybody serving. Because if I have to twist your arm to serve, it's going to be real easy for you to find all kinds of excuses, everything under the sun of why you can't be there, why you can't be dedicated, why you can't participate. Why somebody else needs to feel it. I mean, you're going to find a thousand, a thousand reasons under the sun. But if you're called, God's put that profound impression. If you're not, hey, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. You're not called, you're not called. Amen? But if you're called, Maybe even not to any, maybe I didn't even mention anything to what you feel like God's calling you to do. But your call, man, you need to get after it. You need to stop pushing it to the side. And you need to hit that throttle wide open and get busy doing the very thing that God's called you to do. Amen. God's going to use you. Say, well, I don't feel qualified. Well, guess what? God doesn't call the qualified. He equips the called. These were fishermen he called. <laughs> what did they know? Jesus said, come follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to give you everything you need. Amen? Everything you need. Maybe that's you today. If it is you today, hey, you can come tell me this morning. I'll be so excited. But if it's not, you know the list. Let's pray for them. I don't have them all out here. But these are the DVDs. Those are the books. Let's pray for these.
We'll try to put them in every home within our surrounding area. That's our goal. I believe we can achieve it. Let's pray for them. Pray for those invites that are going to be going out there with them. Pray that people get saved. Pray that people get drawn in. Would you do that right now? Surrender the call. Pray for others to surrender the call. Beseech therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the harvest field. Pray for this seed that's about to be cast out. Would you do that? Right now as our praise team comes up this direction, maybe you're even confused about it. Maybe you're leaning. Say, Brother Russ, I'm not sure it's a full, profound call just as of yet. Kind of thinking. Let me pray with you. Amen. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. I'll be excited to do that. You come this morning as we pray. Right now as the invitation is given, the only way you're going to follow through with the cause if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you stand. Do you know that you know that you know Jesus went to people and called them who knew him? Because they knew him, they accepted the call. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come this morning. God's will lead. Amen.